NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. As I am sure you now are aware, we have major historic breaking news tonight for the first time. The first time in our country's history, a former United States president is facing criminal charges. The Manhattan grand jury has voted to indict Donald Trump for his role in the hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels during his 2016 presidential campaign. Now, again, this is the first time in history that this has happened in the United States. Two sources familiar with the situation told NBC News that Trump's attorneys have been notified that he has been indicted. The exact charges are unknown because indictments are typically filed in court under seal after a grand jury's vote in New York. The Manhattan District, the, in New York, the Manhattan District Attorney was known to be focusing on a felony charge of falsifying business records. It's a charge that carries a maximum prison sentence of four years. According to NBC News reporters, the White House is not expected to make a statement or to comment at this time. Donald Trump, however, has responded, calling the move political persecution and a witch hunt. Trump's attorney told NBC News that he is expected to surrender to the Manhattan DA's office early next week. The New York Times is reporting that Trump is expected to walk through the routine steps of felony arrest processing in New York. He will be booked. He'll be fingerprinted, possibly handcuffed. Another first for the twice impeached former president, who will now be the nation's first former president to face criminal charges. It is a stunning moment for this nation, and that might be a slight understatement. Joining me now is former Senator Claire McCaskill of Missouri, an MSNBC political analyst, Barbara McQuaid, former U.S. attorney, law professor at the University of Michigan and an MSNBC legal analyst, Charles Coleman, former prosecutor and civil rights attorney, and my colleague Ari Melber, host of The Beat, an MSNBC chief legal correspondent who's going to do some overtime uh, with me right now. Ari, I do want to go to you. You were making a really great point, I think, um, on your show just a few minutes ago that this is a it is a joyless occasion uh, in America when this is happening. Um, uh, but there is a tendency, I think, to make everything into politics. Um, obviously, a DA is a politically elected, you know, an elected official. Donald Trump is a former elected official, a former president. But at the end, just break down for us, you know, the context for it is that he is just a citizen, Donald Trump, right? And a fellow citizen was indicted for participation in this same scheme. And so while it is shocking, it shouldn't necessarily be surprising that the individual one named in the, the case against Michael Cohen would himself face indictment. Is that a fair way in your way to look at it, in your view to look at it? Yeah, I think you lay that out well, Joy. And when we look at all the different delays and things that have gone down, people say, oh, why is this happening now tonight? Why is this the case that went? Well, as you remind everyone, this was a case that was not only federally charged, it was federally convicted pursuant to the Trump campaign and Donald Trump's activities. So if his lawyer or representative, his agent, uh, got in trouble for it, why wouldn't he eventually? In some ways, uh, these facts are, yes, older, but they're also more developed. Uh, and so what you're dealing with here tonight is this accountability that he had evaded before. So people thought maybe that's less likely or why not go to one of the bigger cases? Well, 
yeah, Al Capone got in trouble for tax evasion. Um, the DA's job is not to compare crimes in other jurisdictions and decide who goes first. The DA's job in New York is to see whether there's a chargeable offense. And he found one. And so, uh, as you alluded to, we were covering this earlier today, it, news has exploded across America tonight. Um, today is the first day of the rest of Donald Trump's life. Uh, he is going to learn very quickly what it's like to be out of control, um, to be on the other side of this process, to have his life and liberty in the control of other humans, a judge and a jury. And he is legally presumed innocent and he's entitled to a fair jury trial by his peers. But he's going to learn real quick uh, how different it's going to be. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, we're we're in the business of uh, covering a, a lot of politics here uh, on, on both of our shows and covering a lot of spectacle. And Donald Trump is an expert at spectacle. But to the point that you just made, Ari, spectacle and the show that he likely will try to make of this doesn't really work on prosecutors. It doesn't really work in court. And so Donald Trump can create atmospherics around what is happening. But to your point, he can't control what is happening. And he's used to not be not being held to the same account as an ordinary person. I think one of the interesting things that's going that you and I are, and our colleagues are going to cover is what it's like for Donald Trump to be treated like an ordinary person would be treated. Absolutely. Uh, and that's sort of the core principle. And we've we've covered in many ways over American history where America has these principles and we live up to them or we don't. And when we fail them, do we then try to fix them or not? And that's the ultimate. I mean, tonight is so big because that's the ultimate stress test, um, not whether we're perfect as a country and a history. We're not. Um, but whether having been having been pushed this far by someone like this. And I'm to be clear, I'm not talking about Donald Trump's ideology or his politics or many other things that people might rightly find objectionable. I'm talking about someone um, who tried to lie and cheat and then steal an election and end American democracy. Um, so the charges in New York relate to the more old school lying and stealing and what they allege will be some sort of uh, fraud, financial fraud, campaign fraud. But in the main, we don't have it unsealed yet. We don't have the details, but it relates to things he did going into his first uh, presidential election. Um, but with everything we also know since then, uh, if you have a cleave in the country between people who say, oh, gosh, but someone once had a powerful title, we should never hold them to account. And the rest of the people who are saying, well, is it rule of law or not? Is no person above the law or not? Um, the people saying rule of law have the better side of the American principle, what we should aspire to. And that doesn't mean he's automatically convicted. It doesn't mean he couldn't still beat this case. Uh, but it does mean, as I said, today is different. His life is different. And America um, can rise up to the standard of saying, yeah, no person above the law. Yeah, indeed. I mean, this is the proof that we have a citizen president. And the idea of having a citizen president is that, uh, to the George Washington example, after you are president, you go back to being a citizen and you're subject to the same laws. Bar Barb, I do want to bring you in here because I think I, I want to sort of anticipate some of the questions that people might have, because I think for a lot of people, this did not seem like the most momentous potential case that Donald Trump could face. There's obviously the Fonnie Willis case, which is literally about trying to overturn a state's lawfully held election. 
There is all of what Jack Smith is investigating, everything from secreting um, government documents that Donald Trump was not entitled to, having them at Mar-a-Lago and then not giving them back, and possible obstruction and possibly drawing his lawyers into obstruction, and obviously everything related to January 6th. So, so let's talk about some of the questions that that might uh, bring up among folks who are looking at this being the first case to drop. Uh, and we don't know that any other case will drop. I should say that as well. We don't know if Donald Trump will face more. But on this case, Barbara, if you could start with the question of the age of the case, um, whether this case, because it is not new, this is something that happened, you know, years ago, um, uh, and, and he was never prosecuted for it by the federal officials who prosecuted Michael Cohen. What does that say to you, that this is a state prosecution based on the same facts as the federal prosecution, but he was never pursued for that? What do you make of the fact that he theoretically might be pursued for it now? Yeah, it seems, Joy, that uh, Donald Trump's misconduct is a distraction from Donald Trump's misconduct. There's so much swirling around, it's difficult to put these together. But, you know, the age of it, no doubt, is, you know, not a great fact for Alvin Bragg. But it is what it is. Prosecutors, uh, you know, don't get to create the facts. They respond to the facts and they prosecute facts when they amount to a crime. Um, and so, you know, if you compare this to other cases or the fact that federal prosecutors didn't pursue it is not going to matter to a jury. When a jury hears this evidence, the court is going to instruct them to simply assess the facts and decide if the law was broken. They're not going to say this is too old to bring. They're not going to say we've heard this all before. They're not going to hear that the feds, for whatever reason, didn't bring it. Uh, they're just going to hear the facts and they're going to have to make a decision about the law. Um, they're not going to hear about what's going on in Florida, just, or what's going on in D.C. Right. And also, just to be clear, Barb, just lay out for people just the, the, the nuts and bolts of this. This is not the D.A. indicting Donald Trump. It is the grand jury listening to the facts, listening to the evidence, listening to testimony. And then this, you know, we don't know how many people, 20, 22 people indicting Donald Trump. Is that an accurate way to put it? Yeah. You know, the, the check on uh, abuse of a prosecutor's power is the legal system, due process. So as you say, a grand jury made a finding of probable cause to believe a crime has been committed here. That's a fairly low threshold, but prosecutors are ethically bound to bring a case only when they believe they can prove it to a jury in court beyond a reasonable doubt. And so as this case goes forward, mm -hmm. Donald Trump can say whatever he wants outside of the courtroom, but in the courtroom, he will receive due process. Uh, he'll be able to cross-examine witnesses and the prosecution will be held to proof beyond a reasonable doubt. All right, we do have a statement now um, from a spokesperson for DA Alvin Bragg, and here's the quote. This evening, we contacted Mr. Trump's attorney to coordinate his surrender to the Manhattan DA's office for arraignment on a Supreme Court indictment, which remains under seal. Guidance will be provided when the arraignment date is selected. Let's bring in NBC News national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez, who is outside the DA's office in lower Manhattan. What is the atmosphere like there? Uh, Donald Trump had led uh, us to believe that it could be a raucous atmosphere. But what are you seeing and hearing, Gabe? 
Uh, hi there, Joy. Well, first, let me tell you that just within the past few seconds, uh, we saw uh, DA Alvin Bragg's car uh, pull out of here. Uh, there was a crush of media awaiting. He had no comment. He did not speak to reporters. So uh, he left here. We have noticed a huge security presence here, Joy. The NYPD is down here. And over the past several weeks, we've seen them install these security barricades that are right behind me. The DA's uh, office is uh, obviously in this lower Manhattan uh, right behind me as well. But, Joy, I can tell you, this is not the raucous atmosphere uh, that uh, former President Trump uh, thought might happen. Uh, he had been calling for protests uh, for his supporters. And you'll recall, Joy, that it was former President Trump himself who predicted uh, earlier this month that he would be arrested last Tuesday. That did not happen. Uh, but, you know, he, he had no, no direct knowledge of that. But now... Uh, the NYPD, though, is taking this, these threats very seriously because, as you recall, last week the DA's office got uh, that uh, suspicious white powder that turned out to be harmless but a death threat mm -hmm. as well. We're told from law enforcement sources that there have been several a dozen serious mm -hmm. threats that have come to this office. An unprecedented attack on a prosecutor under in an active grand jury investigation. Now, uh, sources close to the matter who have been in touch with uh, President, uh, former President Trump's attorney say that the next question is, when might he be arraigned? And we understand, we expect that to come sometime next week, uh, not tomorrow. Uh, earlier, um, and again, you know, D.A. Alvin Bragg just left the scene here, did not comment uh, to reporters, Joy. Thanks, Gabe Gutierrez. Much appreciated. If you uh, see or hear anything that you think we should know about, wave your hands and we will come back uh, to you. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Let me bring back Charles Coleman Jr., Ari Melber, um, Claire McCaskill, and uh, as well as uh, Charles, I think I've named everybody, and Barbara McClay, I'm sorry about that. Uh, Charles, I do want to ask you about that, that last point. Um, this now is uh, putting Alvin Bragg uh, in the history books. Um, this is a state prosecutor. He's the Manhattan DA. He is now the first to go. If anyone else will go, uh, they will be after him. He's faced unprecedented threats, threats from Donald Trump. Uh, Trump has used words like uh, death and destruction um, and, and essentially promised mayhem or said there would be mayhem or could be. Uh, what do you make of the fact that this has now happened um, and the kind of atmosphere that this proceeding uh, will take place under? Well, Joy, this is the day that so many have waited for because the two words that I think about with respect to what we're talking about around the indictment is, number one, accountability. And with respect to Alvin Bragg, number two is, is trailblazer. This is a person who 
has seen the evidence, has decided to move forward, has pressed forward in light of a number of different reasons why many people would have turned back. And he's doing his job. He's doing what he's supposed to do as a duly elected law enforcement officer here in Manhattan. He believes that a crime was committed. He put it in front of the grand jury. And now you're seeing citizen Trump being treated the same way that anyone else would, regardless of the adjectives of former president. And that's what D.A. Bragg is doing. And that's his job. And so I think that he's to be commended for pressing forward in an environment that many people would have considered to be very, 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 very political. He has not let that phase him. He has not allowed that to bother him. These may not necessarily be, as you've already talked about, the most serious charges that Donald Trump faces, but they are the first charges that Donald Trump is going to face. And so in that way, he is blazing a trail and setting a standard moving forward as to how prosecutors are supposed to treat citizen Trump. Indeed. Um, let me read Michael Cohen's statement today on Trump's indictment. Of course, Michael Cohen um, was sentenced to prison and went to jail. Um, I think he got six years for participating in a scheme that wasn't for him. It was for Donald Trump. And he wrote, and this is the statement from Michael Cohen, for the first time in our country's history, a president, current or former of the United States has been indicted. I take no pride in issuing this statement and wish to also remind everyone um, of the presumption of innocence as provided by the due process clause. However, I do take solace in validating the, average, the adage that no one one is above the law, not even a former president. And uh, Claire, Yusuf Salam, who was one of the Central Park Five, the exonerated five, they call themselves now, um, sent out a statement as well. It was a one word statement and it was karma. Um, and I think there are some who might be feeling that way politically because this is the president, Claire, who ran on lock her up. His um, his mantra when he ran for president against Hillary Clinton was that he wanted to imprison her. And now uh, Donald Trump will walk through the routine steps of felony arrest processing in New York. He'll be fingerprinted, photographed. He may be handcuffed. Um, they may give an exception to that because of his status. He will then appear before a judge, um, likely will be released on his own recognizance because the indictment will largely contain only nonviolent felony charges. But they are felony charges. And if he chooses not to sur not to surrender, ironically, it will be his frenemy, his new nemesis, Governor Ron DeSantis, it would be his role to indict him. Give us a sort of uh, your, your, your contextual framing of what we're seeing today. Well, first, let's put in context Michael Cohen. Um, I think it's, you all have pointed this out, but I think I want to say it slowly. So everyone understands, not just was Michael Cohen indicted for the same facts, and essentially the same crime, assuming this is the payment of hush money in violation of campaign finance laws and the covering up of those records illegally under New York law. He was the same facts. But remember who indicted Michael Cohen? It was Donald Trump's Justice Department. It wasn't a local Democrat that ran for prosecutor. It was Bill Barr who indicted Michael Cohen on these facts. And I think it's so important to keep pointing that out. If this is a made up deal, then Donald Trump's old Justice Department ignored it and, and went ahead and put the man we're looking at right now in prison. The other thing I think is important to point out is I sure hope that Donald Trump is not given the opportunity that he seeks to be in handcuffs. Uh, Bragg's job is so hard right now. And that is he needs to lower the temperature. He needs to make sure that he does not do anything to try this case in public opinion. 
He needs to make sure that he has a jury selection that is lock solid and he has to lower passions so we don't create a really dangerous situation. Now, the only job that's harder than Alvin Bragg's right now are Trump's lawyers. Um, Barb pointed out that Trump can say whatever he wants, but everything he does and says is now could be part of the evidence in the trial could be part of the evidence in the trial. And he's not used to taking directions from anyone, much less his lawyers. He obviously has already done some really stupid things around the facts of this case. He's made admissions that will be very important in the case. He's done social media posts that are ridiculous and could come into evidence. And those lawyers trying to control Donald Trump because he wants to fundraise off this. He wants to run off this. He wants to incite off this. And, and the first thing the lawyer tells you when you are indicted for something or charged with something is shut up. Well, that's not in Donald Trump's repertoire. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he can lower the temperature and try to defeat this case based on facts as opposed to uh, the power of a personality. And Claire, I take it you probably believe it is wise that the White House has no comment. I wonder how long they'll be able to hold out on that. I, I think they should never have a comment. Um, this, this is now about the facts and the law. And I think Alvin Bragg gets that. I think anybody who is around this case would understand that. Um, and I think the president probably understands the point I made a little earlier. You do not want to inflame this situation anymore because it's dangerous. We've already seen what this man can incite. He's not only the first president to be indicted. He's the first president to be impeached twice. He's the first president to lose the popular vote twice. He's the first president that refused to pass power peacefully and incited an insurrection. So I think everyone ought to try to lower the temperature and let the facts and the process speak for itself. That's the way to re restore the faith that the American people have in the rule of law in this country. Uh, well said, uh, Claire McCaskill. Thank you very much. Let me bring in uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, the host of Politics Nation and the president of the National Action Network. And uh, Rev, one of the things that Donald Trump has never experienced uh, is being uh, or an ordinary man. Um, he has gotten away with a lot over the course of his life um, from when he and his father um, were able to settle out of a discrimination case about not allowing black people to rent in his buildings. Um, it's not clear he's paid taxes more than a couple of years um, in his life. He's gotten away with a lot. And a lot of his friends have gone to prison for things that they did for him. Alan Weisselberg, uh, I'm thinking of uh, Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, who was his lawyer. Um, you know this man. He is being very, there's a lot of bravado coming out of his social media um, now and out of his son. But how do you think he really um, will react to the idea that he is going to be booked? He has been indicted. Well, I think, first of all, uh, a lot of us are forgetting Donald Trump just a couple of days ago said this case was over. They were not going to go forward. And uh, he predicted that. Uh, th this is not going to happen. Well, it's happening. Uh, so till the last minute, he was delusional that he was still above the law and that no one could get him after saying some very bigoted and anti-Semitic statements against Alvin Bragg, saying he was a Soros funded animal. 
This is what he called this man an animal. Uh, the irony of this is twofold. There may be cases that uh, legal experts uh, say uh, appear to them more serious if he, in fact, is indicted in Georgia and by the feds. But this is by far the most humiliating indictment because he's going to be booked and charged in New York. And he always would say, mm. he has said to me that I'm an out of borough guy. I'm an outcast like you are, Al, when we would be fighting on different issues. You're from Brooklyn. I'm from uh, Queens. They call me and my father names them big guys uh, downtown, the Park Avenue guys. And look at me now. I'm going to be president of the United States. Well, now those guys will look at this country and say, we told you he was nothing. We told you that he was a scam artist and that he shouldn't be president. For him to have to come to Manhattan on the same island that he felt he was looked down upon by the elite in New York and be booked and confirm what all of them said about him is more humiliating than if he's indicted on more serious charges in other places. So this is a humiliating night for him. A couple of days after he said this was not going to happen, he said this case was over and he's going to have to go in the same building, Joy, that those five young men that were indicted and prosecuted for rape they didn't do while Donald Trump took ads out calling for their execution. He called for them to be executed and they were convicted. Some of them went to jail for years. One of them, Curry Weiss, who's at National Action Network every Saturday, did 13 years in jail. They will see Donald Trump, who bought ads against them, walk in the same building they were arraigned in and be arraigned sometime next week. And I think if that's not ironic, and in my uh, case, I agree uh, with Yusef Salam, comma, you will reap what you sow. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, and that uh, one word statement was quite a, a statement out of Yusuf Salam. Um, there also is a long history. Two quick ironies, uh, Rev. You know, Donald Trump long wanted to uh, be on the front of The New York Times, and he had a, a special obsession with The New York Times. And to your point about all sort of the karmic elements here, it was The New York Times that initially broke this story. So he made it onto the front of The New York Times. You know, he wanted to be an historic figure. He is now truly an historic figure, having been president, having been impeached twice, and now having been the first president to be indicted. Um, but there also is some irony, um, Rev, that, you know, Donald Trump always counted on sort of having the DA, the Manhattan DA specifically in his pocket in a way, right, of being able to befriend the DA and have a special relationship with the DA. Alvin Bragg is um, an, 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 an anathema to that. He is not a DA. He's doing the opposite. He held a baseball bat or was pictured, I should say, holding a baseball bat seeming to loom over this DA. This is an African-American district attorney with whom he has no relationship and who he's attacking on social media. All of that is not helpful when he is being indicted by that very same man. It is not only helpful, it's harmful. We had a, a big prayer meeting in Harlem for Alvin Bragg's family, who's getting all kinds of threats, and I'm sure they will increase. But let me uh, also say this to you about uh, what you just said. Let us not forget Alvin Bragg was the same prosecutor that when he came into office last year would not go forward with the prosecution. He felt that it was not enough. It wasn't winnable. So only someone that methodical, that serious, that 
took all of the flack for not indicting him when he first came in would be proceeding. Now, if I was Donald Trump, I'd be very nervous because this is the kind of prosecutor that had already said, no, I don't see the case that now sees the case, which means that he must have things that Donald Trump and the public never thought. Otherwise, the Alvin Bragg I know would not be proceeding. Donald Trump should not sleep comfortably tonight. And we should note that Michael Cohen went before, uh, met with this grand jury, I mean, met with this prosecutor something like 22 times and went before the grand jury. He brought evidence with him. And you're right, clearly something uh, in those conversations, uh, in those interviews with Michael Cohen uh, had an impact on uh, D.A. Bragg. And it may not, it may not, it, it may not be just Michael Cohen. We don't know what he has. That's right. You're absolutely right. And we will find out uh, over time. Thank you, Reverend Al Sharpton. Much appreciated. Hey there, Brenda. It's Carol. Exactly. So which leg are we operating on? You mean arm? It's all connected. Asking the right question can greatly impact your future. Are you sure you're an orthopedist? Actually, I'm a Sagittarius. Especially when it comes to your finances. Do you have a question? Are you a certified financial planner? Yes, I'm a CFP professional. CFP professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is here. It's Wayday. Right now, you can score up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. All up to 80% off right now. Plus, everything ships free. And flash deals are launching all Wayday long. Don't miss Wayfair's biggest sale of the year. Shop Wayday right now from May 6th at Wayfair.com. Wayfair, every style, every home. Let's bring in former FBI general counsel and senior member of the Mueller probe, Andrew Weissman. Andrew, uh, it, it's always great to talk with you. Um, this is on an historic uh, uh, evening. But I do want to go back just for a moment to the dichotomy between these federal and state charges, because I, I think what people we talk a lot about the campaign finance aspects of this payoff to Ms. Daniels, to Stormy Daniels. Um, but this is a state prosecutor. So a federal uh, election isn't in his purview. So what we're talking about is the same facts. It's the same facts that put Michael Cohen in prison with a federal indictment. But these are state charges. Um, so can you just talk about that dichotomy? Because what it, we don't know what these charges are. They're, they're still sealed. But it's looking more like something like falsifying business records, lying about the purpose of the funds, not a campaign finance case. Is, is that accurate? It, it more or less is. The way I used to look at this when I was a prosecutor is you have, it, it's, I think, a very human way of thinking about things, which is there's a set of facts. Somebody has, you can prove, has done A, B, C, and D. And then as a lawyer, you take your sort of legal grid and you say, okay, what kind of laws did that violate? And so there are federal laws and there are state laws. And so the same set of facts can result in crimes such as wire fraud or mail fraud or securities fraud. And they can also result in certain 
state crimes. It's one ball of wax in terms of the, you know, what you're dealing with. But there are different tripwires you could have um, gone over uh, in the course of that conduct. So what you're seeing here is, I think, the same ball of wax where it re- resulted in federal crimes that Michael Cohen pled guilty to and a federal judge agreed was a crime and sentenced him on. But at the same time, you can look at this um, because the feds didn't go forward um, for a whole variety of reasons as state crimes. And that is what Alvin Bragg has now uh, it's been confirmed done in bringing these charges and seeing what are the state crimes that are alleged. It's important to note that he may have found that a sort of enhancement for these state crimes comes from either state campaign laws or federal campaign laws. There is a way that they may form a part of the charges here, and it would be permissible uh, potentially to do that, but we don't know yet. I mean, that's something that a lot of legal right. nerds like me are waiting to see exactly how the charges play out. There's so many people that were involved, like sort of different pieces of this scheme. Uh, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to tax evasion, false statements to a federally insured bank, causing an unlawful corporate contribution, excessive campaign contribution, and false statements um, to the U.S. Congress, all things that were associated with assisting Donald Trump in covering up this affair. Alan Weisselberg, who there has now dropped his Donald Trump-related lawyers, which is interesting. Um, he um, pleaded guilty to grand larceny in the second degree, criminal tax fraud in the third degree, a scheme to defraud, conspiracy, uh, criminal tax fraud, offering a false instrument and filing of the first degree and falsifying business records. Um, do you think there's a significance here to him changing lawyers away from the lawyers who are associated with Donald Trump um, really in the next in the last couple of days? Um, I I do, but I think, um, with all due respect, as they say, I sort of view it potentially the opposite way in that um, I know uh, the lawyers who used to represent um, Alan Weisselberg, the former CFO, who, who you correctly say has pleaded guilty to a host of crimes, and those were real ethical lawyers. Um, and I think that their sin mm. was that they were independent. Um, there are reports that the DA was increasingly putting pressure on uh, Mr. Weisselberg. There are facts alleged in Letitia James' attorney general complaint that suggests that Mr. Weisselberg ha- has liability, criminal liability for additional crimes. And I think the mm. sin of his lawyers who took him uh, through his guilty plea is that they are real lawyers who represented him and not the organization. And so I'm not saying casting aspersions on the new counsel, but I I view it as a sign that he that Mr. Weisselberg may not be cooperating, but he may in in fact face additional charges. That is just a guess. I'm sort of Mm. intuiting that from my own knowledge of these people and sort of what I would do if I were in that situation as a prosecutor and how I would try and uh, sort of bring additional charges with respect to Mr. Weisselberg to, to seek his cooperation. And if he didn't cooperate, to hold him account for additional crimes. Uh, interesting. Um, let me go a couple of other people. David Pecker. And of course, this was the, the uh, man from the National Enquirer. Um, he met twice with the grand jury. 
Um, and it was important in terms of trying to discredit the notion that the payments were just to protect from embarrassment to Melania Trump. Um, and this was in 2021, American Media Inc., which owns the Inquirer, settled a complaint with the Federal Election Commission alleging that they unlawfully aided Trump in 2016. The FEC found that Pecker and AMI had violated federal, federal election laws by making a payment to Playboy model Karen McDougal in order to purchase and bury a story about her 2006 affair with Trump same year as Ms. Daniels, and Pecker entered a non-prosecution agreement in which he admitted that the payments had been made in order to help Trump's campaign. So he's the other character. And of course, there is Stormy Daniels. And let me read the uh, response from Ms. Daniels' attorney, Clark Brewster. And this was their statement. The indictment of Donald Trump is no cause for joy. The hard work and conscientiousness of the grand jurors must be respected. Now let truth and justice prevail. No one is above the law. Uh, and now let me read the statement from Ron DeSantis, which just went away. And hopefully we'll get that back. Ron DeSantis has issued a statement um, uh, saying that he will not, will not help uh, to stand in the way well, not aid. OK, here it is. OK. Moments ago, uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis tweeted an attack on D.A. Alvin Bragg, accusing him of weaponizing the legal system. He also said Florida, quote, Florida will not assist in an extra an extradition request, given the questionable circumstances at issue with this Soros backed Manhattan prosecutor and his political agenda. That's a strange statement. <laughs> um uh, do you want to comment on that? It is a it, that is an odd statement from a governor. No, that's an odd statement. Well, I think I'd make two comments about it. Um, one, there's it's, it's hard to even call it a dog whistle of anti-Semitism um, in that statement. Yeah. And a governor should be respecting the rule of law. One of the things and I don't mean to be uh, preachy, but I think on a night like tonight, where it's just so historic, it it does warrant stepping back and noting that many people in this country uh, during the Trump administration saw the rule of law by Donald Trump, by the Attorney General Barr, and by a host of people in Congress and others be trampled on. The corrupt use of pardons, the firing of uh, Jim Comey, the obstruction of cases in the Department of Justice for friends uh, of the uh, president, uh, the documented obstruction of justice by the then president uh, that was documented by Robert Mueller uh, in the team that I was a part of. Um, and all of that was um, so anathema to what many people viewed America stood for, which is the rule of law and something that we thought we were proud of and was a beacon for the rest of the world. Um, and so for today, uh, seeing Alvin Bragg, um, you know, in, and I, I think it's notable, um, an African-American DA um, have the tenacity um, putting up with these kinds of attacks and just keeping his head down um, is, I think, a sign that this country is on track, that people actually respect the rule of law and are willing to do their duty, um, even in the face of smear campaigns and worse, including death threats. 
Um, and it is, it's worth noting that we owe a debt to people in those public positions who really um, are sacrificing quite a lot that they didn't sign up for to uphold the rule of law in this country. It's a shame that we've gotten to this place um, when other other countries are ones that we asked to emulate. And unfortunately, we're in a position where now uh, emulating other countries that have held um, senior political leaders to account. But I do think this is a, yeah. a important step in the right direction. It's also, and I will just, uh, my editorial comment is, it is a statement without dignity. Uh, the governor of Florida does not know the facts, so he cannot talk about questionable facts in this case. He doesn't know them. Only the grand jury knows, and this is a sealed indictment. So he's making a statement about something he doesn't know the answer to and throwing out, as you said, Andrew, dog whistles. You know, historically, this um, meme, this idea among uh, the right that African-Americans, that black folks who are uh, in positions um, are controlled uh, by some Jewish overseer who's pulling their strings. That's what that statement reads like. And perhaps this governor should maybe read a history book to speak because he might not understand what he is channeling, but he is channeling an era in American history that is one of the most ugly that he's probably not allowing to be taught in school. But that idea that this prosecutor, and by the way, it's not just this prosecutor, Andrew, I'll, I'll let you go on this and let you have a final word on it. It was a, a grand jury that looked at facts, that looked at evidence, and this grand jury took a vote, which is part of our system. And so for the governor of one of our largest states and most important states to throw out a miasma of words that are meant to trigger uh, the far right for his political ambitions that really do sound like that old meme that this black prosecutor must be under the secret control of this, you know, murky Jewish millionaire. That could be 1950, and it is it is not dignified. It's beneath Absolutely. the it's beneath the dignity of a governor. Absolutely. Look, I mean, we let's let's get real. This country has a history, um, and 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 one that is is not just in uh, something that goes back to the 18th and 19th century or even the 20th century that exists currently of racism and anti-Semitism. And that is clearly, I think, intentionally uh, what is being invoked here. I think a much better thing to have said, which would have been consonant with the rule of law, is that Donald Trump, and this is, I truly think people need to remember this, is now presumed innocent um, under the law, unless and until a jury finds that he is guilty of the charges that we will see, um, and that a jury finds That's that right. beyond a reasonable doubt, and people need to wait and trust that system. Indeed, he is neither above nor below the law. He is a citizen, like every other citizen, and will have the same rights. Andrew Weissman, always a pleasure. Thank you very You're much, welcome. as always. Let's bring in... Thank you. Uh, let's bring in NBC News presidential historian Michael Beschloss. Uh, it's always handy to have a historian around uh, in moments <laughs> like this. But I, I would love for you to comment on that as well. Uh, you know, Michael, Michael, I think all of us who are sort of absorbing this, there's nothing to be gleeful about, about a former president, no, no. whatever his quality uh, right. being indicted. There's nothing to be happy right. about about that. Right. However, um, it is in some ways a great ratification <sighs> of our notion of a citizen president. And I, and I just would love to get your take on a governor throwing aside the dignity of his own office to put out that 
blizzard of words that had Soros and making it sound as if Alvin Bragg is under Soros's control and, and saying murky facts when he doesn't know the facts. It's, it's a kind of shocking when I think everyone is sort of trying to make sure that this whole thing is dignified, even dignified for Donald Trump. The governor of Florida, as you know, went to Harvard Law School. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that he's defying federal power in a way that really harkens back to George Wallace in June of 1963, when Wallace in Tuscaloosa stood in the schoolhouse door, University of Alabama, and said, although the Supreme Court says that the University of Alabama has to be integrated with two black students, I am going to represent state power and defy that. That's what DeSantis is trying to do. Fortunately, yeah, the more important historical mm-hmm. thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joy. No, go. No, you, please. I was going to say, uh, just to echo what you've said, this is an historic night. And I think as a result of what's happened, you know, DeSantis is going to be a sideshow. But the important thing is that tomorrow, I think, in terms of American history, we will be waking up in a different country. Before tonight, presidents in this country were kings. They did all sorts of things. Richard Nixon, as president, probably obstructed justice, did all sorts of other things for which certain of his entourage was sent to jail. But Nixon was the unindicted co-conspirator, so-called, because the Justice Department, in my view wrongly, ruled that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Once Nixon quit, The special prosecutor, Leon Jaworski, said, well, perhaps now it's time to indict him. He's a former president. And for a month, he seemed in jeopardy. Gerald Ford, the new president, after a month, as you well know, said, we're going to pardon Mr. Nixon. And in 1995, I actually talked to Gerald Ford and I said, why don't you at least wait until, you know, Nixon went through the process and was at least fingerprinted so that you can show someone who steals a can of hairspray in a store that there is equal justice in this country. And what Ford said was, I don't think the American people have the stomach for a former president being indicted and going through a trial and going to jail. I didn't want the country to be distracted. He also said that I had heard that Mr. Nixon's health was bad. There were even rumors that he was so depressed he might take his own life. So it was punishment enough for Nixon to have to accept a pardon. My view would be, and I feel more strongly about it than I did even on that day, that if you want presidents not to behave lawlessly, they have to expect that if they do the kind of things that Donald Trump we now see has just been indicted for before he was president, some of the things he may be indicted for as presidents, and some of the things he may be indicted for after being president, Nick, you know, Trump knew Nixon very well. Trump knew that Nixon's biggest punishment was he goes to his seaside mansion in California, lives happily ever after. If Donald Trump had seen Richard Nixon fingerprinted or even going through a trial and going to prison, I think you would not, not have seen this possible crime spree that we're hearing about of the last seven years. Yeah. And I mean, by the way, we should know that Spiro Agnew uh, wound up getting indicted. The attorney general at that time wound up getting indicted and I believe serving time. So it it is it's not unprecedented. And and I I think that is a great point. He copped a plea to evade prison. 
There you go. I mean, you think about Ronald Reagan, you know, and waging this illegal war with the Contras and having that very high level, very risky investigation of him. It it seemed to embolden presidents that Nixon was able to get away with 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 crimes. Um, Donald Trump is is sui generis, I think. Can I say something on Reagan? Please. Yes. Yeah. uh, I mean, I hate to pull these historical figures out of my hat, but I once talked to Howard Baker, who was Reagan's chief of staff at the time. Uh, I'm sorry to sound like someone who's 900 years old, but I did. And I said to (laughs) Howard Baker, you know, given the things that Reagan did in Iran-Contra, and there were big investigations, and people were taken to the court and suffered penalties, how was it that there was never a discussion of indicting Reagan or impeaching him? And Howard Baker said, I spoke to Democratic leaders in the Congress I'm quoting Baker. And we decided that the country could not go through another Nixon experience where you're in danger of a president being impeached and possibly sent to prison. So we just agreed among ourselves that this would never go that far. This is what I mean by we're waking up in a different country tomorrow. That must never happen again. A president has to be bound by the same laws as the rest of us. And if you do not like what you saw from Donald Trump, in the last seven years, that's the only way it's going to happen. Indeed. Amen. And uh, you are younger than springtime, Michael Beschloss, thank you, and full thank you. of thank such you, great information. <laughs> and we always love having you on. Thank you, Michael Beschloss, as thank always. Uh, let's bring back Bar- Cheers. Let's bring back Barbara McQuaid and Charles Coleman. And joining me now are Jason Johnson, professor of politics and journalism at Morgan State University, and Hugo Lowell, political investigations reporter for The Guardian. Hugo, uh, what have you got on the um, uh, sort of reactions to all of this inside Trump world? Look, you know, Trump was very muted about this when his advisors spoke to him uh, immediately after the news of the indictment broke, Uh, at least for his political team. I mean, we know that his lawyers were informed by the DA uh, in kind of the the past hour about the indictment. But at least for his political team, they found out about the news uh, from The New York Times. They saw the app uh, alert hit their phones and they peeled away to figure out uh, what next steps would be, at least from a political front. And from the political front, they seem to be focused on a fundraising thing. You know, this has always been Trump's uh, or the Trump campaign's go to. You know, if, if you can't beat the news cycle, then at least try and make money uh, uh, off your supporters. So this is exactly what they're trying to do. But, um, you know, Trump, for all his bravado, has been very muted. Um, he has not been he has not been particularly happy about this indictment. He was always fearful about how he's going to be perceived in history. Uh, and now that he is actually criminally charged, you know, the first former uh, president or sitting president to be charged, uh, I think he takes this personally and it's quite a knock to his uh, self-esteem. You know, and, and Jason, it is not unprecedented in the world for a, right. uh, a president to be indicted. I mean, the current leader of Israel is literally under indictment right now and tried to yes. seize control of the court system in order to protect himself. South Korea has indicted its former president. Italy has an, uh, a president that uh, faced indictment. You could go on, right? There are other countries where this has happened. It's just unprecedented here. And, and I wonder if you, as, our, uh, as, as also a, as a political scientist, um, can just sort of walk through the kind of American idea of the presidency as sort of a king, because we have treated presidents as above the law functionally, even if they are not on paper. 
You know, soccer, universal health care, arresting a former president who tries to take over your country. It's nice to see America catching up, right? Like the, the finally getting the idea in our heads that these people are not kings, as you suggested, and should be held accountable. And, and I, I have to say this, Joy, it's very clear, not just as an academic, not just as a professor, not just an analyst. I am happy. I am legitimately happy because I think that the fact that Donald Trump had not been held accountable in any significant way thus far was a cancer on this country. It emboldened things like what we've heard from Ron DeSantis. It emboldens people like Jim Jordan. It emboldens people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. It emboldens any of the other people out there right now at this exact point who are planning some sort of resistance because he's actually been indicted. It is a good sign that we have a president who's actually being held accountable for these things. And I think for all too long, Americans, either through pop culture or television or movies or writing or just our own cynicism, we always thought our presidents were untouchable. We always thought, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing's ever going to happen to him for this thing. Nothing's ever going to hold him accountable. So it's good that we're at a moment where he's actually being held accountable. Will President Trump, former President Trump, go to jail for this particular case? Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. But it does, as many people have mentioned before, it breaks the seal. It makes it clear for anybody else who runs for this office. It makes it clear to any other lawyer in any other district around the uh, the country, whether it's parts of New York or D.C. or Georgia right now, I don't have to be the first. This guy is not infallible. This guy is not invincible. And we're fouling going to hold him accountable. That that is a great moment in American history. And all of us should be happy that the system is semi-working the way it should be. Well, yeah, it did seem that something was fundamentally broken when it came specifically to Donald Trump, who seemed to have this impunity. To stay with you for just one moment, Jason, there is some sort of um, sort of historical karmic irony uh, that it is an African-American prosecutor and that, you know, he had a two thirds chance of having it be an African-American prosecutor who would uh, try him for crimes between Fonnie Willis uh, and Alvin Bragg um, at a time when, you know, there is this sort of war uh, against the historical presence um, of African-Americans. And, you know, the, the downside of that, of course, is now we know the playbook and how it will look and how ugly it will get. Oh, do we lost we lost Jason? Well, I'll throw that same question uh, to, to Charles then. We lost Jason. So, Charles, I'm going to throw that same question to you because there is an irony, isn't it? Um, This is the particular prosecutor and that it was a two out of three shot. Um, Which of these prosecutors would get to the finish line first in their case and make a decision or a grand jury, I should say, make a decision? Um, What do you make of it being uh, an African-American prosecutor, particularly as ugly as we know that will become? Well, I think that's the very different and very unique irony of what America is. I think that when you look at the country and you look at its history, it has always been us that has done the difficult labor and had to answer the difficult questions. And this is no exception. It's also no exception and no surprise that what we've seen from Donald Trump and his camp and others like him is doubling down on the rhetoric that is seeped in white nationalism such that they do not believe that people like Fonnie Willis nor Alvin Bragg should be in positions to have a say-so over things that affect them. And so they are going to attack them vehemently. They're going to attack them with the type of rhetoric that includes words like monsters, which is dehumanizing and to separate him from his own humanity. That is not a surprise. It is very much so out of the Donald Trump playbook. And so everything that is taking place here is very American. And this is a new chapter in terms of what we are seeing, but the elements that are involved in terms of 
people who are having the courage and the fortitude to do what is right, even though they have been marginalized and come from marginalized places. This is a very American story. And in terms of turning, holding people accountable to our justice system, this is what is supposed to happen. Indeed. Uh, what's not supposed to happen, though, Barb, is that we should fear violence as a result of a pro the prosecution of an ordinary citizen, because that's what Donald Trump is right now, presidential candidate. Yes, uh, but he's just an ordinary citizen. Um, how concerned um, are you for this prosecutor, for his family and for the country, um, given what we know Donald Trump has done in the past and what he's capable of doing with his supporters? I am concerned, Joy. I am concerned about the things Donald Trump has already said. Uh, you know, as we saw on January 6th, as we saw after the search at Mar-a-Lago, when a man in Cincinnati listened to his words about the FBI and then went to an FBI office with an assault rifle, ended up being killed in a standoff later that day. I have to imagine there is someone out there who is unhinged, who is going to hear about this and is going to decide to take the law into his own hands and engage in vigilante violence. Uh, I think Donald Trump's reckless behavior has set us up for that. I know that around the country, law enforcement is preparing for this moment, but all, all it takes is one to get through. Law enforcement has to be uh, right 100 percent of the time. Uh, someone who is a, yeah. a terrorist or a violent extremist only has to be right once. Well, last question to you, uh, Barb. Does this, does this indictment in any way influence the other prosecutors. Do, do prosecutors look uh, to the left and to the right and say, OK, well, this is happening. Does this impact what I'm doing? So I'm talking about Bonnie Willis and obviously uh, Jack Smith. No, I don't think so. You know, I think that if you're working together on a coordinated investigation, then you might. But these are very different investigations. So I don't think so. I think Alvin Bragg brought this case when he thought it was ready. And I think Bonnie Willis and Jack Smith will do the same in their cases. In those cases. And last question, I guess, to you, Charles. Um, do you think it is likely, Jason Johnson said he, he thinks it's unlikely that Donald Trump would actually go to jail on these counts. Michael Cohen did. I know it was a federal case. It was different. Um, but this is a case that um, sent an, uh, his his former lawyer to jail. I don't real. know. I don't know that I'll see that we will see him go to go to jail. I think that it's important to understand. And I hate to put a downer on anyone who's looking at this. We are a long way from the conclusion of even this chapter yes. of the story. There is a lot that's going to happen and people just need to stay tuned and be patient. But in the end, even with the conviction, I'm not certain that he actually sees much jail time, if any at all. And, and uh, well, I guess we don't have a lot of time. I would ask you, Golo, if he's worried about that. But we will just thank everyone who's been uh, with us through this coverage. What a day. Uh, Barbara McQuaid, Charles Coleman, Jason Johnson, Hugo Lowell, everyone who joined me uh, tonight. Thank you very much. That is tonight's read. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is here. It's Way Day. Right now, you can score up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. All up to 80% off right now. Plus, everything ships free. And flash deals are launching all Way Day long. Don't miss Wayfair's biggest sale of the year. Shop Way Day right now from May 6th at Wayfair.com. Wayfair, every style, every home.